Well, I, I want to jump into the Word today. I want you to go uh, where we've been for this series for a while now, Joshua chapter 14. Uh, this is the, the fourth part of, of a series that we've been in, Give Me That Mountain, Joshua's chap- Joshua chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 11 today, and it says, As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, and this is where we pulled the entire, mess, or the entire series, now therefore give me this mountain, not just any mountain, but of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me. I love that. It may be. That's crazy faith right there. It says, just, man, he might be with me. I'm stepping so far out. I'm believing God so far. Just, he might be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. I was um, with my boys this week, and um, they had a basketball tournament, end of season basketball tournament. And uh, if you know me at all, you know I have a problem. And um, it's, it's being a little extra competitive. And uh, boys just starting basketball, they're on a really terrible team. And uh, I like to win, and they lose a lot. And so I'm trying to have patience, um, and it's been good for me. I've got the leg squeezed a couple times from Jamie, uh, but this so happened, just so happens on their final end of the season tournament, Jamie was gone. And uh, just me and the boys, just me and the boys, and, and uh, we're there, and I've kept my mouth shut the entire season, haven't talked to the coaches one time about anything, uh, but on this occasion, it's end of the season tournament, I thought, you know, I just probably need to lend, I said, hey, respect, coach, respectfully, like, you've done a great job all season, we've won one game, and this is the end of the season tournament, this one counts, and I know you're, like, really fair about all the playing time and everything. I'm like, did you ever think about just keeping one guy in, just a little extra? And it wasn't even my kid, okay? I'm, that's how much I like to win. It wasn't even my kid. I'm like, if you need to sit him down, it's fine. But, like, this guy over here, you need to play him. Like, I mean, everybody can see he's better than everybody. I just, like, stick him in for another rotation. He's like, oh, yeah, we got to be, be really fair. So we make it through the whole game, and, and uh, we get shellacked. And uh, we're out of the tournament. I'm in the truck. I'm in a bad mood like I played the game. And uh, we're on our way home, and, and uh, Genesis is sad, and, and uh, Jude's a little quiet back there. And uh, I'm like, man, I hate losing. I'm trying to be a good parent. And uh, so I hate losing in Genesis. Yeah, I hate losing. I'm like, yeah. And, and Jude pipes up, and he goes, I mean, he might as well swore at me. He says, I like to lose. Pull over the truck. What did you just say? I would I would have rather you cussed me out, son. Like, what do you, I like to lose? This is what this is what I actually did say. I said, "What is your name?" He says, "Jude." I said, "What is your last name?" Bates. That's right. Your name is Jude Ryan Bates. That means you do not like to lose. Do you understand that? What even made you say that? Do you need deliverance right now? Do we got enroll you in 1132U deliverance classes? What is wrong with you? And uh, he got real quiet. And uh, I just started praying in tongues over him. And, and uh, I like to lose. And I said, and if I, was li- literally, I was legitimately frustrated. I said, Jude, honestly, like, what, why did you say that? I want to know, like, what made you say that? And he goes, I like to make, I like to make the other team happy. I'm like, yeah, 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 it's cute to y'all. 
That's QT Hall. Come on. Can't get no help out here. Oh, I like to make the other team happy. I'm like, was that what you were doing? You did it, son. You did it. See him with the trophies out there celebrating? You did it. Congratulations. You made him, you made him happy. You know, I was, I was thinking this week, as Christians, you can lose so many times that you almost get used to losing. I'm not saying like you actually lose in every area of life or you're a, you're a loser. I, I'm, I'm talking about life can, can deal successive blows Storm after storm after news headline after news headline, disappointing news after discouraging news to a point that you just stop having the same faith that you once did. Now, I know Jude pretty well, and I know exactly, I know exactly what he thought. What he thought was he knew going into that game we were not going to win that game. We're the worst seed playing against the top seed. He knew. And it's easier for him to go in with the expectation that I let them, lose, that let them win than to go in wanting and thinking that you're going to win and then being disappointed. And I started thinking that for many of us in our Christian life, specifically when it comes to taking mountains that God has promised us after disappointment, after years go by, after what seems to be losses, it's easier to say, yeah, I didn't want the mountain anyways. Than it is to have the audacity and the courage and the faith to say, no, God made me a promise so many years ago. And I'm not going to stop. I am not going to slow down. I am not going to let up until I get to think. This is the story of Caleb. This is what we've been reading for weeks now. Is that Caleb says, hey, I'm just as young today as I, want, as I was then. Now give me the mountain. It, was, it, it, it wasn't this, this adamant command to God saying, you give me what's mine. It was an emphatic posture of courage that said, God, you promised it. And now I want it. Give me that mountain. You know, whenever you're taking a mountain for the kingdom of God, or a personal mountain, a corporate mountain, whenever you're going after what God has for you, it starts with a promise. It starts with a promise. God gives you a word. Friends, if you don't have a word, you don't have much to stand on. But when you've got a word, you have something that you can cling to, something that you can lean on, something that you can rely on through the storms of life. And you got to have a promise. But there's, there's, there's a succession to this. A promise is not just meant to motivate you. I'm not giving you a promise just to say, hey, you might win someday. And so then it's like, well, I'm going to play because I have a chance of winning. The reason that you get a promise that God gives you a word is for you to take possession of the promise. We, we, we've been talking about this. There is always a process from a promise given to a promise received. Or you could say it this way. There is always a process between when the promise is given and then taking possession of the promise. And, and, and that, that is called process. Nobody, nobody likes process. No, no, nobody, nobody enjoys the waiting period between promise given and possession of the promise. And for many of us in the room, people that are watching, we are in that tension point of we have some things that God's put on our heart, but we haven't really received them yet. 
We're, we're, we're in the, I know God said he had a plan for my life. I just haven't seen it yet. I know God said he was going to use me. I just haven't seen it yet. I knew God said he was going to bless my business and I was going to fund the kingdom, but I just haven't seen it yet. I knew that I was going to raise godly kids. I just haven't seen it yet. And you're stuck in the middle between promise and possession. You're in the, the process. And this is where what I really want to talk about today is the process always requires a price. That's, that's, really the, that's really the bad news of it is, is that the process always requires a price. I, I don't know if you ever like picked something out at the store and just decided you were going to buy it before you checked the price. Maybe I'm the only person that's ever done that. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm sure it's like probably in this ballpark and then you get up to the register only to find out like, whoa. And I'm kind of one of the guys that has too much pride then to be like, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's too expensive. I'm like, oh yeah, well, sure. <clears throat> and then I'll take it back later because it's like yes wow I should I should have looked at that I, I should have I should have counted the cost you know Christianity a lot of people jump in saying yeah this is I man God I want all that you have for me but but few people really count the cost few people really consider that there is a price to be paid for possession that if you're going to possess the things that God has for you, you are going to have to be committed to the process which is going to require from you a price. You have been specifically gifted. God gives you gifts specifically to claim the mountains that God has called you to. Now, I want you to know this. You have, been, you have innately, God's put in you skills, gifts, abilities, insight, innovative ideas, business ideas, concepts. God's gifted you with those things to take the mountains that God has for you to take. Now, when we talk about mountains, we've been talking about this in our series. We're talking about the, the things that God promises you. The word God gave you. For some of you, maybe it's healing. For, maybe, for some of you, maybe it's restoration. For some of you, maybe it's financial breakthrough. For some of you, maybe it's kingdom impact. For some of you, maybe it's, it's ministry. But whatever God puts in you to take, God's also gifted you to take it. So God would never ask you to do something that he's not empowering you to do. So for some of us, our gifts lie dormant because we've never used them. You know, the, the only difference really between a, a, a shredded, ripped out athlete and someone who is not, is not more muscles than the other. We all have the same limbs, the same muscles, the same possibilities. One works them and one doesn't. We, we, you're gifted just like anybody else's. But a gift is not activated by being dormant. A gift is activated by using it. And if you don't, if I can say it this way, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use your gifts, you will lose them. Oh, man. Oh, well, I'm going to lose them. You can get them back. You're just going to have to pay the price again. I don't know if anybody's ever gotten in shape, gotten out of shape, and then tried to get back. That is a painful process and it is unfair how hard you have to work to get into shape and it is completely unfair how easy it is to get out of shape you can work six months on getting in and you can have three weeks to get out that's unfair but friends that is how it works with your gifts if you don't use them you will lose them 
So some people in church say, you know, I'm just kind of waiting for a good opportunity. While you're waiting, your muscles, your giftings are becoming less and less effective and less and less mobile. Well, have I lost them for good? You haven't lost them for good. You just have to start to use them. And the the, the price that you're going to have to pay to get back in shape might be a little bit painful. But as you begin to use them again, how do I use them? Step out in faith. Step out in faith. It's what, it's, it's what Caleb did. He began to step out in faith. He said, no, I got, a, I got a word. I have a promise. I'm going to step out. The process between promise and possession always exacts a price. The bigger the mountain, the bigger the price. The bigger the mountain, the bigger the price. If you won't pay the price, you'll never take possession. We've been talking about this in the 70s. There was the founder of YWAM, Lauren Cunningham, had a vision about seven mountains of influence. And we've been talking about this every week in this series because in order to see city transformation, we have to have certain areas of influence where the people of God stand up and are counted. We can't just come to church. We've got to use the gifts God's given us, and we've got to have strongholds of influence on mountains of culture in order to see city transformation. You can't just wish it. can't just fantasize about it. You've got to use the gifts God's given you on the mountains of influence God's placed you on, and that, friends, is when culture begins to be affected. I want to read these again because I think it's really important to see these over and over again. These seven mountains in the mountain of entertainment. We've talked about this, that that we've seen Christians run from entertainment. Oh, it's evil. It's wrong. What we really need to pray is that God would raise up Christians that can make a good Christian movie. Somebody say amen. If I get asked to watch one more Christian movie, I'm like, I can't, okay? I can't do it. I love the message. I love it. But why can't Christians make good movies? Somebody get on the mountain of influence and make us a good movie. Entertainment, media, in the places of media, in the arts, in, in, in reporting, that God would raise up. I'm just, I, we just don't need it. We need it, but we need truth tellers that God will arise and will anoint in business. I believe this. God is going to give people in our church, I really believe this, that innovative, creative ideas for business, for God to multiply your streams of income so that you can resource and fund the kingdom of God. I believe that. It's one of the things I'm believing God for this year, that God would continue to increase my own personal streams of income so that I can be a resource center for the kingdom of God. I want to fund what God is doing. Do you know one of the greatest hindrances to the kingdom of God advancing is resource? So we have to establish, some of you are called to business. You, you, you can't even take a day off without starting another business. It's, uh, it's just everything you do, everything you touch, there's favor on it. That's a, there's a reason. You're gifted in an area for God to use business in education. We've been harping on this. We need this more than ever before. We need godly educators. We are not all leaving the public school system to the world and and huddling in private school systems. Although we have a private school, we believe in it. Our students are encountering God. We We need God to send educators 
into the school districts. We need parents on school boards that will stand up and be counted, that biblical values would continue to be taught and advanced, that there would be prayer in our places of school. This is a mountain we've got to take. In government, in government, instead of hating, instead of hoping, we need to pray that God will stand, will raise people up in the place of government. Friends, we have never been, the biblical values have never been under attack more than they are right now. I'm just going to say this is you can do a couple things. You can pray, but you also can vote. That's the power that you have. We don't need to hate. We need to pray, and we need to vote. Even this, Tuesday, you need to use your voice, and you need to use, how do I vote, Pastor? I can't tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you how to vote. You vote according to biblical values. Not by party, not by personality, not by person. You vote according to biblical. We're a Christian before we're American, and we vote according to our values. Our government, family. Friends, if we lose our family, if we lose our families, I know you're a man of God on your business, and you have Bible study, but, but can you lead your home? Are, are, are you a man of integrity? Are you a woman of character at home, in front of your kids? Do they see you praying? Do they hear you praying? It's one of the personal goals I have for my own life with my, with my boys is I want them as they grow up, if they're talking to you sometime, I want, if you, what do you see your dad doing? I want them to say that they see and hear me praying. Not just see, I want them to hear me. I want, I want them to hear me worship. I want them to hear me have a tender heart towards God. I want them to hear me sing praises to God. I want them to hear me pray for their mom and pray for them and their futures and their lives. I want them to, I want them to hear it. That family mountain, I'm telling you, you're anointed to take that family mountain. Religion, that's our, that's our church. That's the places, that's our faith that we've got to continue to advance and to take up influence in. It's interesting, but I believe this. If we're going to see city transformation, we will have to set up strongholds of influence on each of these mountains. Now, for you personally, your mountain is whatever God has promised you and whatever God has gifted you with. So God gave you gifts, not to just decide if you're going to use them or not. God gave you gifts to use. And the gifts that God gives you to use are so that you can take up, make a stronghold on the mountain that God's called you to so that you can affect culture. Now, there's two things that you read throughout our text that Caleb had. He had unshakable faith, unshakable faith. Now, this is when Joshua sent the, Moses sent the spies in to investigate the land, and they went in, and 10 of the spies, they saw the enemy, they saw how big the walls were, how big the cities were, how big the giants were, literal giants, and they came back and said, yeah, yeah, it's great land, can't do it. Joshua and Caleb, you know this as we've studied this, Joshua and Caleb says, yeah, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. In fact, Caleb says this in verse 30 of Numbers 13. He says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly 
do it. And I love it. I can never read that scripture without getting excited. Like, I want to hire about 400 certainly do it people. Like, oh, yeah, we can certainly do it. Hey, let's build the Dream Center. We can certainly do it. Man, let's get, let's get permanent buildings for all of our locations. We can certainly do it. Hey, let's start food distribution routes all over Dallas so that nobody goes without a hot meal. We can certainly do it. I, I just, we need some certainly do it people. I know a lot of certainly can't. You know those people? Well, Pastor, have you thought about? Yes, yes. We, we, the whole world tells you why you can't do anything. Faith gives you the ability to believe for what the world can't believe in. It's un, this is what Caleb had, unshakable faith. Unshakable faith. You know, I, I, I've, I've been a Seattle Seahawks fan like all my life. And uh, grew up in Seattle, Seattle Seahawks fan. And uh, I, I was a fan because I lived there and they were really bad. It's hard to be a fan of a team that's bad. And then, you know, they had some success there for a little while. And so I went to back-to-back Super Bowls, won one of them, should have won the second one. We don't even talk about that still. It hasn't been long enough. And, and, and they had some success. And all of a sudden, had, like, I mean, I was meeting Seahawks fans everywhere. I'm in Florida, and I mean Seahawks fans. I'm in New York, and I mean Seahawks fans. I'm like, man, these guys are everywhere. Because it, it's, it's easy to get behind a team that's winning. It's winning. It's difficult to be a fan of a team that's losing. There's some teams out there. I mean, there's some hardcore fans out there, like franchises that haven't won in forever. And I know some of you are thinking I'm going to make a dig at the Cowboys. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a Cowboys fan now, okay? So I decided, I said, the Cowboys need a faithful fan like me. I'm like, man, I was like, man, some of y'all fair weather fan. I'm like, that's it. This year is the year. Cowboys, they're winning something this year. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it now, all the way in February. I'm saying, some of y'all don't even believe it. It hasn't been long enough since the playoffs. I'm like, man, I'm still dealing with my grief, Pastor. It's all right. You'll recover. Once they win the first two preseason games, you'll be back like, this is it. This is it. You know, I think it's easy to have faith when things are working, but really difficult to have faith when they're not. Caleb had the ability to have unshakable faith on a losing streak. That's when you know you got faith, is when everything is going on the opposite way of the way it should go, and you still have faith. Can you have faith? When you're losing? Can you have faith on a losing streak? Can you have faith when everything in your life is going the opposite way of what you're believing for? Can you have faith then? That's what Caleb had. Caleb had unshakable faith. In fact, we read this last week, but the only two, two spies that were allowed to go into the promised land were the two that believed God before they entered it. Were the two that believed God bef- before they entered it. He He had unshakable faith. And the second thing that he had was wholehearted devotion. Wholehearted devotion. We talked about this last week. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, it says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. He says, because he follows me wholeheartedly, he's going to get what he believes God for. Because he follows me wholeheartedly. Your devotion will keep you close 
when your faith lags behind. Caleb had unshakable faith, but he also had wholehearted devotion. And when your faith fails you, it's your commitment and devotion that will keep you. Now, to be wholehearted, it means complete. Not partially. Whole is every part of you. And I want to talk about, talk about what it means to be whole. Number one, mentally, I've got to be in. I've, I've, I've got to be wholly committed mentally. You, 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 a mindset is whatever you set your mind on. The, the ten spies that doubted said, they, we, we read this in, in previous weeks, says we seemed like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we looked the same to them. Hold on. We look like grasshoppers in whose sight? Our sight. They mentally were already defeated before they even began the battle. How you think about yourself, how you think about your anointing, how you think about your gifting, how you think about your destiny has everything to do with your victory. Mentally, I gotta be, if I'm going to have wholehearted devotion, I've got to be connected mentally. Number two, I have to be connected relationally. I, I have to be connected. We can't do this on our own. Did you know that when the 12 spies went in to spy out the land, they came back out, 10 said, we can't do it. Two said, we can. And most of us would be like, yeah, let's stand with the two. That's not what happened. The entire nation, over 2 million people said, I believe the 10. We can't do it. And they wandered. Who you surround yourself, who you surround yourself with will be pivotal to what mountains you take. If the people that are closest to you fill you with fear or doubt, you will never step into the promised land that God has for you because you're going to have to link arms. This battle is so big and the fight is so intense that you can't take it Rambo style. You've got to take it arm linked with, with another arm, soldier with soldier, standing together saying, I'm going to take the mountain God has for me. It is inevitable we're going to lose. We're going to hit a losing streak. We're going to be discouraged. And you're going to need someone to stand beside you and say, no, no, no. God said. God said. He promised. We're going to stand together. We must be in, in environments that will feed our faith. We must link arms with people that feed our faith. You ever hung around someone and just, they just fill you with faith? Uh, there's a certain pastor that I, li I love being around. He's got so much faith. I talk to him, and I'm like, part, some of you think he's crazy. But when I talk to him, I just get fired up. I'm like, yeah, let's do more. Because it's, my faith jumps around his faith. You ever been around fearful people? They just make you start kind of like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone's ever said, like, man, you hear something in the house, and then everyone's like, I think I heard something too. It's, like you, it's the same sounds you've heard for years. But now somebody heard and it could be a threat. Fear is contagious, just like faith is. It matters who you connect with mentally, relationally, emotionally. Emotionally. Do you know if you don't learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, encourage yourself in the Lord, you will inevitably be discouraged because you can't stay in our culture, in our world very long without the negativity and the fear of, of what's happening in the world get into your soul. So emotionally, you have to be healthy. And I'm going to tell you this. The world says in order to be emotionally healthy, withdraw from all of the bad news. I'm going to tell you this. You will never escape bad news. 
Wherever you run to hide, bad news will find you. Whatever cave you put yourself in, whatever covers you pull yourself under, whatever Netflix hole you try to dive into, bad news will find you. So you have to learn how to be strong in the midst of bad news. So how, how do I emotionally stay healthy? How do I take care of myself in the midst of this craziness? I'm going to tell you how. You have to do what David did. And it says, the men were talking of stoning him, killing him because they had been attacked. And he says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know what that is? It's dependence on God. You know when I'm stressed, when I'm afraid, or when I'm anxious, is not usually the times that I'm fully dependent on God. I can feel stressed out, and if you were to ask me, are you fully dependent on God right now? I'd probably have to say, well, not right now. I'm stressed. I can't be fully dependent on God and stressed. It's, it's hard for those to co coexist. The Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So how do I take care of myself emotionally? I give him the thing that is weighing me down. I throw it at his feet emotionally. Caleb had to learn how to stay encouraged over years of wandering and living among fear-filled people emotionally, financially, financially. You're talking about money, Pastor? Yeah, that's financially. Financially. This is one of the costs of stepping in to possession. There is nothing in this world that will not cost resource. And to go from promise to possession, it will cost us. It'll, it, it, it'll cost us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to, who gives you the ability? God does, to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. But remember this, it is he who gives the ability to make wealth. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen to verse 8. And God is able, I don't know if you know this or not, God is able to bless you, how much? Abundantly, so that in all things, how many things? All things at all times. How many times? All times. Having all that you need, you will abound. That doesn't sound like get by. That doesn't sound like barely. It says you will abound in every good work. And the passage continues on. Financially is a part of us that sometimes is the last to be committed. I'm good emotionally. Lord, you have it all. Mentally, you have it all. Relationally, you got it all. Financially, ooh, I think I'll handle this one. I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to go from promise to possession, you're going to have to say, God, I'm ready to invest financially. I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, I can tell you story after story of people that have given, this has been the last part to give, and they've given this part, and it's unlocked the blessing of God in their life. You know what's really important? That you never give to get something. You know what's really important? That you never give because someone twists your arm because there's a need and no one else would do it. You need to give because you catch the vision 
of giving. That you understand, God, if, if I have wholehearted devotion, I'm willing to give you emotional energy, mental energy, relational energy, financial energy, but also there's another one, spiritual energy. We say this, everything that's practical needs to be spiritual. And everything that's spiritual needs to be practical. Our spiritual life has to be practical, and our practical life must be spiritual. Because sometimes spiritual life is over here on Sundays, and then our practical life is Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday, we get fired up spiritually, and we go back to practical. They're supposed to be interwoven together. That my practical, everyday life on the mountains that God's called me to, I'm able to take ground spiritually. See, this battle is so intense that you can't do it and you can't win it and you can't overcome it on your own strength, in your own strength. You are going to need the power of God. You're going to need God's super on your natural. And God's anointed you and gifted you to take mountains, whether it's relationally, whether it's in business, whether it's in one of these mountains corporately that we've talked about, but God's anointed you to take ground. But in order to go from promise to possession, you're going to have to have wholehearted devotion, which means all of these areas. We have to fight the battle. This is what the, is what the Bible taught us throughout our, our series. We have to fight, but the victory is guaranteed. You know, I was looking at this word as we close, whole. A whole number is simply any positive number that does not include a fractional or decimal part. It's whole. It's complete. That that word comes from the word that we get, integer, which is a whole number. A number that is not a fraction. I'm not a math whiz, I'm a Google whiz. <laughs> integer is where we get the word integrity, which is the state of being whole and undivided. I, I wonder if sometimes the reason we don't go from promise to possession is because we never understand what Caleb did about whole-hearted devotion. There's more than what I just mentioned, but these ones are key ones, whole-hearted devotion. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's powerful. Be wholehearted. Be wholehearted. Be whole. Hearted. I don't know if you saw it this week, but the Ukrainian president, when he was offered a ride out of the country, did you see this? He says, uh, I, don't, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. He's, I'm, I'm not running from this battle. He knows he might die in this thing. He, he's, not, he's not, you know what it is? It's wholehearted devotion. He is, he is emotionally, relationally, mentally, financially, and spiritually in. And you know what many of us are looking? We're looking for a ride out of trouble. And you don't need a ride, friends. You need some ammunition. You need unshakable faith, and you need wholehearted devotion. You don't need an escape route. You need to be locked and loaded to take the mountain that God has put in front of you. And I'm telling you, he's gifted you and anointed you to do it.